0: In a world where jobs are how most people make money, one man, one desire, one challenge, dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money, money works for us. Coming soon, viewer discretion advised. Bill Manacero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI
1: Network. I'm your host, Bill Manacero, and this is the show where 50-plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no-sales-pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays, and if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, spelled D-A-W-G-S, find our podcast, and subscribe. Well, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, our guest is a gentleman named uh, Kenneth Gee. Kenneth is the founder and managing partner of KRI Partners and the KRI Group of Companies. He has more than 24 years of significant real estate, banking, private equity transaction, and principal investing experience. Throughout his career, he has been involved in transactions valued at more than $2 billion, much of which has included the acquisition, management, and financing of various multifamily real estate projects. Well, Ken, welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me, Bill. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I think you've got a, a lot of great information to share with our listeners, and I'd just like if you would just take a few moments here just to kind of tell us who you are and where you come from and how you eventually ended up in, in uh, real estate.
2: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, uh, a small town northwestern Ohio. Went to the University of Toledo, got my undergrad there uh, in finance. Then I uh, moved to Cleveland, uh, got married, and uh, got my advanced, my master's degree at a small private school called Case Western Reserve University. If you're from the area or regional, you might know it, otherwise you probably wouldn't. Um, I pursued an accounting degree there, and uh, while I was doing that, I was working for uh, a local bank as a commercial lender. And after After I finished my degree at Case, I ended up at Deloitte as a CPA. That was uh, what I thought my calling was in life. And so I spent seven years there, did a lot of private equity work, uh, uh, merger and acquisition work, a lot of tax planning. I worked on the tax side at Deloitte uh, in the Cleveland office. And so a couple of things happened to me. Number one, all of my customers at the bank did real estate all of my well not all of my clients at Deloitte but Deloitte had a massive real estate practice in the office in, in the Cleveland office so I was uh, constantly around folks that were doing really well in real estate and so now uh now here I am I'm young uh I have uh, a wife uh, two young kids and uh, I used to uh, every night take care of the, mid, the middle of the night feeding. If you had have kids, you know what that means. Father-daughter time <laughs> right. is awesome. Mom needs a break. So uh, I would gladly do the middle of the night feeding because then you know, it was a good time to bond with, with your daughter. So I'm sure uh, if there's any guys out there listening, I suspect you know what that uh, kind of bond is. It's really, really a cool bond. Uh, yeah. But what started happening was I started to think because now the house is quiet and it's just her and I and she's doing her little bottle thing. And so your mind starts to wander, and I started, you know, that time with her sort of got ruined after a while because I started thinking about, you know, how was I going to put her through school without, you know, tons of debt? How was I going to retire? How was I going to do all the nice things for my family that I wanted to do? So, you know, I was working, I don't know how much you know about CPAs, but they work pretty hard and uh, lots and lots of long hours, and I just wasn't getting ahead. I just, I just, you know, work, money in, money out. I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. So I thought to myself, uh, I got to solve this problem because I'm not going to continue to work 12, 14 hours a day and not get anywhere, not get to my goals. So what I ended up doing was I uh, said, okay, well, I know these people don't real estate, but I don't know real estate yet. So I took two years and uh, several thousand dollars of my money and just learned about real estate. And back then, uh, you may uh, uh, have remembered the name Carlton Sheet. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, there's, that, there's a blast that, from the past.
1: That's, yeah.
2: Uh, that, that was the only thing that was really out there that taught you about real estate. And so he did single-family homes, and I, was, you know, I, didn't know, I didn't think I wanted to do single-family homes. I didn't figure out how it fit uh, in my life. Um, because I was working at Deloitte, and I really didn't have time to spend on the weekends fixing leaky pipes and things like that. So what I ended up settling on is uh, finally in 1997, I bought my first apartment building, and it was a 28-unit building. It was big enough that I could have somebody on site who could show the apartments for me and do all that kind of stuff. Um, So to buy that property, uh, I had uh, borrowed half the down payment from my home equity line and convince my in-laws to give me the other half, uh, and you know, sort of trust me. And uh, then I bought a second, a third, and and uh, uh, about three years later uh, is what really changed my life uh, for real estate, and that was that I sold those three properties. And uh, mind you, I was doing this on the side while I was still working at Deloitte. Wow! But I had made half a million dollars uh, in profit on <laughs> those three properties, That's awesome. and. Uh, Think back to, you know, the younger me, uh, half a million dollars, and it still is an enormous amount of money, but it changed my life. You know, before I couldn't figure out how I was going to put her through school without debt. And I now know, I knew exactly what I had to do, right? If I can make this much money on the side, this is something I need to continue to do. You know, I now knew how, before I couldn't figure out how I was going to retire, now I knew um, how I was going to retire. So all those things that I sat there and thought about in the middle of the night uh, and I just couldn't figure out how I was going to deal with them it became so obvious uh, as to how I was going to deal with them and so 25 years later 18 deals later uh, here I am and uh, I'm happy to report I was able to put her through school without debt and my son and uh, you know I could probably retire tomorrow if I want I'm just having too much fun right now so uh, anyway so there's my story
1: what a blast! What a blast! Wow, that is a, that's a great story. Great story. When you sold those first uh, properties, now were you thinking you were selling them to get out of it at that time, or were you selling them with the idea of you know staying in it? Because it sounds like you kind of made that decision around that same the same point.
2: Yeah. So interesting. I sold those properties because the area that they were located in it just seemed to make sense to me. The area, uh, part of area. Uh, part of Cleveland that these properties were located is known as Shaker Square. And the city was investing a lot in the square. Everybody had very high hopes for Shaker Square in terms of its future. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I have these three properties. They're doing well. So I can sell them and price them based on everybody's expectations that things are just going to go through the roof in that area. Or I can wait and hopefully it works. And then I'll I'll be the beneficiary of that. Well, I chose to sell based on everybody's expectations. And as it turns out, it was the right thing to do. But uh, after, see, what happens until you actually see that money hit your bank account, you don't believe it. Right. You just don't believe it's going to happen. So the thought, oh, okay, I'll do this and then I'll keep moving, that was not how uh, the thoughts were, were being processed back then, you know, when I've got the money, then I realized, okay, now that was when you, when the money actually hit my bank account and I digested what had just happened to me, that was when I realized this is something I got to keep doing. I mean, how can you not do this? If you can make this kind of money doing this and without that much work. So that's how, and when I made the decision to continue on with real estate.
1: That's great. Now, is your wife uh, in involved uh, with your business at all, or uh, she has her yeah, own? Yeah, no,
2: she she's not. So my wife then, uh, we've since divorced, and uh, so I took a few years off, devoted to my kids, and that, that's okay. You know, amicable divorce, everybody gets along. It's a wonderful story. I'm now remarried to uh, a wonderful woman, and so she does her own thing, and uh, I do my own thing. My kids are now grown. Uh, my son's 25, my daughter's 23, my stepdaughter's 23. So now it's just my wife and I, and we're kind of, you know, we're kind of having fun doing our thing uh, with our, you know, respective careers. And uh, of course, you know, we enjoy our time together and we enjoy our time with our kids now.
1: That's great. And are you still in Ohio?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So we, I kind of split my time. So our the back office of our company is located in Cleveland, and we just, it's just such a well-run. We have some great people in our back office, so we're going to continue to, to maintain that there. Uh, I live in Cleveland. Uh, my wife does. Her daughter's still in Cleveland. Uh, but our corporate office is in Tampa. So everything we do right now is in Florida and uh, and, and in the Southeast, just because I believe in the growth story. So uh, I spend at least half my time in
1: Florida. Oh, okay. That's, that's great. So you've got that uh, other operation going out there and... And But uh, you've, you've still got significant investments in the Cleveland area?
2: Actually, no. We we got out of everything we were doing in Cleveland. Uh, you know, we, you have to decide how you're going to spend your time. And when you're in a growth market like Florida, I mean, you think about Florida, about 1,000 people are moving in every day, and they're not building that many <laughs> new houses, that much new housing in Florida. They are building some higher-end stuff, but that's not what we do. We take... Uh, just, you know, normal uh, apartment communities and make them better, make them nicer, uh, raise rents, of course. That's called a value-add strategy. And the housing that we buy, they can't build. They can't can't afford to build that. So we accommodate the folks, just the ordinary people that move into the state of Florida, which are most of the people that move to the state of Florida are just ordinary folks, right? That's the way I I refer to them because they are. They're just normal people like you and I and then of course there's the wealthy people that can afford the five six seven thousand a month rent uh, they're being you know they're being taken care of by the builders um, but uh, you know the ordinary person which is the bulk of the growth it doesn't have any new housing added so in our business that means that's good because that means we have some you know basically the same supply trying to trying to accommodate more people so price just automatically goes up when that happens oh, that's Great. we can't we can't do in uh, Cleveland what we can do in Florida in terms of growth I, I just can't
1: gotcha and um, the uh, you know, your first apartment you purchased in what year was that
2: 1997
1: 1997 so um, quite a few years a little later here um, so you have uh, uh, stayed in apartments exclusively for the most part um, since then
2: yeah well, so I worked for Deloitte. I, I was always well. I took a break. Well, no, that's not true. I was always in apartments. So I took uh, a break in terms of owning uh, apartments, maybe four or five years, because when you go through a divorce, you, you're not you're not going to go out and buy new apartment communities. That just that's not a good idea, no partner would appreciate that if if you did that to them right. um, because they don't want to, they don't want to through that process with you so other than that, yeah, we've been in apartments during that time. we managed uh, you know probably fifteen hundred apartment units, so we were always in the business. um It's just whether uh you know I took a few years there just for out of necessity and did not buy any new properties. We had owned some properties still, but we just didn't buy anything new during that time now interestingly. Uh, during that time, uh, I decided it would also be a good idea to buy a couple uh, fly, a Cessna Pilot Center. Uh, in.
1: <laughs> now, where did that come from?
2: <laughs> you know, I, it's funny because I wanted to learn to fly. And uh, remember, I told you I was working at Deloitte, right? and Deloitte's office is located downtown Cleveland. Well, downtown Cleveland is a small airport called Burke Lakefront Airport, and so Um, A couple times a week, I would go down at lunchtime, nobody knew I was doing this. I would literally go down the elevator, get in my car, drive to the airport, go do my flying lesson at my lunch break, and go back and finish my day.
1: No way. What
2: what kind of CPA does that, right? Nobody had any clue. And so that was so much fun, I enjoyed it. And I thought, you know what, this this, uh, guy that owned the company, he was flying a lot of older airplanes, and he had one new airplane, and that was the only airplane I would fly because I don't want to fly something that's older than me. So I thought, you know what, this is a huge business opportunity this guy's missing out on. So I bought the company from him, didn't pay much for it, mm-hmm. um, and it was right before 9-11, actually. Um, and uh, so we turned over the fleet from all old stuff to all new stuff, and then, of course, nine eleven hit. So mm-hmm. you know that was a rough time for the flight school business, flight school industry. Right. Um, we got through it just fine, uh, but we taught lots and lots of people to fly. We became uh, part of the Delta Connection network, so we would train pilots to uh, go all the way to the all the way to Delta, wow. you know, on their regional system. Mm-hmm. And uh, we owned as, a, as, as when I sold the company, we had an operation at Burke Lakefront, Cuyahoga County Airport, and Akron Canton Airport. Wow, it and taught it taught me how to run a decentralized business. Is what it did, and to really uh, you know get focused when things like nine eleven impact your uh, your business.
1: Right, you still fly today?
2: You know I don't. I don't. Uh, um, I'm blind in one eye, and so I passed the FAA medical exam, but I you know I just it's not uh, the hardest time to see another airplane when you're flying, is when it is literally coming right at you head on right. because that's when its profile is the, the smallest when you're looking at an airplane. So I just decided, no, let's, I'll, you know, I'll let the, 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 the people with two eyes, uh, fly. And, uh, you know, I, I would fly once in a while with uh, another pilot, but you know, now I, you know, I spent so much time with my kids. I just kind of let it lapse. So, uh, it was a fun thing that I did. you you know, once you're, once you have your license, you always have it. I'm just not current any longer. Sure. Um, but it was a it was a lot of fun. No, oh, no question about that.
1: What a kick! What a kick! And okay, well, you went through some various interesting times. I mean, you mentioned nine nine one one, you know, and uh, but also mm-hmm. uh, you went through the Great Recession too. And um, I did. Uh, how did your How did your company fare? How did your your properties fare during that time?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So uh, again, you know, remember I, I ran a comp- uh, flight schools through nine eleven and uh, a real estate company through 08, 09. And both of those events uh, taught me an enormous amount about how to manage a business and how to really, uh, you know, do things that matter. So, you know, we did just fine. Um, you know, there were folks losing properties here and there, um, but we never did. You know, we, we made it through it just fine. Uh, just, you know, got really tight with our management and, you know, did what we needed to do and uh, as we came out of there, flourished. So uh, it, there, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that whole recession happened. And probably the biggest thing I take from that is you know, some, of the, some of the things that happened during that time uh, are some of the things that I, can, to this day, uh, those risk factors I attempt to mitigate whenever we do a transaction. You know, like debt maturities and things like that. It all you know all these things that happen to you in life I've learned now as I'm older, you know they're lessons, they're important lessons, and they need to accumulate so that you can protect against those risks going forward. So that was the biggest thing we got out of eight nine but you know we did fine through it,
1: yeah, I think the the apartments in general did you know so much better. I mean, it was the single family home market that were really good, that really got hit, but uh, it did, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, another good case for multifamily, <laughs> you know, just very uh, big case. Su- yeah, surviving that. And now, no, now we've got some new challenges, right? We've got just crazy inflation and uh, uh, rising interest rates, and um, uh, you know, we had this this uh, you know COVID that just devastated the country and the world. Um,
2: uh,
1: how how did you guys fare through through that?
2: if you take those events individually, so let's look at COVID, we were actually busier than ever during COVID Mm -hmm. because people needed their homes more than ever. They were all working from home. So we actually, you know, our challenge was operationally adjusting so that we could continue to provide the service that our residents needed and, and do what we needed to do while keeping our people safe. So, um, you know, I, people always hear me talk about experience matters, right? When you talk about who you should uh, place money with when you're looking at investing in real estate, but COVID is a good example as to why, right? You want a senior management team that's experienced a lot of different things so that when it comes time to respond to whatever is around the corner, that they have some experience to draw on. So we actually did very well through COVID, um, the financially, you know, we, we buy properties and, in good areas with good diverse income streams. So, you know, we had a couple folks that that were struggling to get through it. You know, that maybe had lost their jobs, and we worked with them. We did everything we could to help them through that. Right? That's that's what you need to do. That's what you should be prepared to do. So that was, uh, um, you know, a lot of work, but you know, we certainly got through it just fine. Uh, you're talking about now the inflation and the interest rates that that we're experiencing. If you need to figure out where to put your money during inflationary times or higher interest rates you know real estate really is something most people should consider and the reason i say that is if you look at the bank well they're not paying much the stock market i mean that's been no fun lately (laughs) crypto crypto has not been any fun so you know when rates go up bond prices go down so there's just a lot of things that haven't been very fun but here's what happens in multifamily. So when you have inflation, which in our case has been basically supply constraint uh, caused, right, because the supply chains haven't been able to catch up to the demand that just turned back on. So we have inflationary times. We have the Fed that raises rates to try to deal with that. When the Fed raises rates to try to deal with that, what it actually does is it makes it harder for people to buy homes. Mm -hmm. But they they still need a place to live. So we can't figure out a way to get rid of that need, right? You can't. Everybody's going to have to have a place to live, so they they even inc- it even increases demand for apartments even more. So although um, you would people will tell you that cap rates are increasing, they are because interest rates are increasing, but rents are able to be increased enough to more than offset that, especially if you're in a growth market like Florida. So, you know, in our market, remember I talked about Florida's market and how uh, it is a supply or demand far exceeds supply. Now we raise interest rates and make it even harder to buy a single family home. So that puts people back into the apartment world. That's just more demand for us. So we actually fare very well during higher inflationary times, higher interest rate times um, for the reasons that I just described.
1: Great. Great. Yeah. That's, uh, um, I second your, your statement there that, uh, I think it's the best place for anybody to invest right now. The only thing that, that, uh, you know, has that solid, um, asset to, to back up that investment. Um, yeah, that, you know, there's been dips in real estate over the years and so forth, but it, it always goes up and it always ends up doing better. And, uh, it's you know just looking at the other options out there for folks that are especially retired that are you know dealing with pensions or dealing with 401Ks or IRAs, and you know they're, they're, that's their survival, and uh, um, you know the returns that you still can get in real estate are fantastic.
2: Yeah, our investors, I mean when we underwrite our deals, we're underwriting to 15 percent, 15 percent annual returns. And we typically deliver, I mean, there's no guarantees as you and your listeners likely know, it's a real life business, but typically we're able to deliver 20, 30% plus annual returns between the cash flow and then, uh, you know, the increase in value. And, you know, you talked about real estate always going up, you know, there's a big difference between a single family home and why it goes up in value versus the multifamily world, right? In our world the increase in value is fairly predictable because we're able to increase the cash flow. And that's what I love about it, right? This is the CPA conservative lender in me coming out. I like to see some correlation between my ability to generate more cash flow for an asset and its value, right? There's that direct connection in the apartment world. And that's why the values continue to go up in the apartment world, because it's kind of predictable and it's based on cash flow, right? People will probably always pay for cash flow. Agreed.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's at least uh, as as a retired guy, that is uh, mm-hmm. my primary focus.
2: Yeah, it, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's why I love doing what I do. That's why it's there's. I will always do this the rest of my life. We deliver some amazing things for our investors, and it has certainly, you know, improved my life considerably and completely changed it. And so now, you know, I, I'm, you know, proud, I'm 57, so time for me to give back. And uh, nothing makes me happier than to write our investors huge checks uh, when we sell an asset, because now I know that, you know, they can put their grandkids through school if they want to, because they have money they didn't know they were going to get.
0: Yeah,
1: I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, you know, you've been doing this for a while here, and I'm sure that uh, you have learned a lot along the way. Um uh, what, what would you say are maybe some of the bigger mistakes you might have made somewhere down the line there that you've learned from? You've kind of positioned your company and, and the way you do things to make things even better.
2: Yeah. So, well, over 25 years, you learn a lot of lessons um, that, you know, there's there's probably thousands of lessons <laughs> that I've learned over the years. Uh, if I were to pick a couple that probably had the biggest impact um, one, I would say, uh, you know, if if you're investing with somebody, make sure that they're managing their debt load appropriately. You know, you don't want to. Some people like to prop up returns by, you know, really increasing debt uh, and leverage on on the asset when they buy it. I mean, you know, we uh, we we didn't we we never really did that early on in our in our investing career. We did it, um, but it was okay. But now, you know, I see people that really get in trouble doing that. Uh, because you generate this massive fixed cost uh, with debt. And then if, if things do struggle, um, you're not going to be able to make your debt payments. So that I see, I have seen people do. Uh, probably on the renovation side, probably the biggest uh, mistake we've ever made is, you know, when you buy a property, you're excited. You're excited to get it going. You're excited to get the project going. And, you you know, day one, you just start spending all your renovation money, and you do it. Well, a long time ago, you know, I kind of spent my budget only to realize that I learned something about the property that I didn't know. Um, and not that the seller didn't disclose it, but, I mean, you just don't know everything yeah. before you buy an asset like that. And I wish I would have saved back some money uh, to deal. I don't even remember what the issue was now. It's so long ago. But, you know, you want to save back some money to make sure that you, when you do learn something new, you, you have some money on reserve to take care of those things. And, you know, in that particular deal, I'd kind of run out and spend all the money. So, I mean, I funded it with my own money, but it would have been a lot easier to n- not have to do that. So that's probably a big lesson uh, that I've learned. To this day, when we buy a property, we don't renovate on day one. We sit on our, I, I call it sitting on our hands mm-hmm. for about 30, 45 days till we figure out where the skeletons are. Let's make sure we know what we're dealing with and mm-hmm. and uh, we'll adjust the, the plan as necessary and uh, and then move forward.
1: Yeah. Great, great philosophy and a great strategic approach, I think, um, because
2: uh,
1: I mean, I'm sure you already have your reserves and so forth for things down the road. But uh, there are those things you just you just can't <laughs> you can't know until you, you're in the property. And uh, so that's it. That's, that's great, right. Great advice. Well, how about uh, something that you did from the beginning that uh, really ended up being much more more successful than you anticipated, uh, maybe uh, you know some of your biggest successes?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to, let me think about this. So back when I first bought my first apartment building, although I did a lot of work, I did a lot of research, I thought I knew a lot. Remember I was a CPA and a lender and I thought, boy, I'm really prepared for this. But the one thing that I didn't understand was this concept of what a value-add business plan really was. I just—I was young and I just didn't understand it. Well, I met this lady. Um, her name is Karen. I won't use her last name because that wouldn't be appropriate. But she uh, she taught me a lesson. She said, "Ken, uh, what what was happening is the first building that I bought, the rents were like, believe it or not, four hundred and fifteen dollars a month for a one-bedroom apartment, including eat." Wow. And I uh, I know that's uh, that dated <laughs> that dated the whole thing right there. Really. So. Uh, I bought this thing, and uh, I'm getting the applications that the the woman was sending me, and the credit reports were all bad. I thought, oh, boy, I can't find good residents. This is going to be a problem. And so I don't remember why or how I ran across Karen, but I did. Karen said to me, Ken, you need to make this nicer. If you build it, they will come. And I remember looking at her saying, wait, Karen, stop it. Wait a minute. I just put everything I had into buying this stupid thing. And now you want me to go spend how much? And she said, oh, it'll take about $5,000 to update a unit. I said, $5,000? Are you kidding me? I don't have $5,000. She said, well, I'm just telling you, if you do it, you won't, you won't be sorry. I'm like, okay. So I whipped out my credit card, right? And uh, <laughs> spent the money. I made the unit nice. And the next thing you know, I was getting $5.99 for rents. Awesome. And wow. the applications were good. So that now here's the reason I tell you that story. I tell you that story because that was how I got introduced to the real, the real value add business model. This wonderful woman named Karen, who I haven't seen in 15 plus years. I wish, you know, I owe her a debt, a massive debt of gratitude because she really taught me and convinced me to do it. And that is the business plan that we implement today. That's made us and our investors millions and millions of dollars. So uh, I don't know there's, there's the the story that's probably the biggest impact on my business. You know, my real estate investing career was her and uh, her lesson that she taught me.
1: That's great. It's great that you learned it so early too in the, in the game because uh, obviously it had an impact on all future investments from there that point forward so that's a uh, sure did great you bet. well our audience uh, as you know are folks that are 50 years of age and older they're either approaching retirement or they're in retirement and they're looking at real estate as a means to either supplement their cash flow or to sustain and grow that nest egg that they're going to be living on for the rest of their lives what would be your advice for those folks as they're looking at real estate investing as a means to to help them to achieve that goal,
2: I mean, I, I I can't think of a better way to accomplish both of those goals, because when you have real estate, you have cash flow. Um, assuming it, you know, whoever you're investing with knows what they're doing, you'll have cash flow, and you'll have appreciation because hopefully they're implementing some sort of value add plan, and they're making uh, the property more valuable because they're charging higher rents. And so not only does the cash flow improve over time, but then so does the value. So you're accomplishing two things. One, you're giving somebody uh, something to live off of, right, Uh, some cash flow from their investment. And you're providing a huge jump to their nest egg when that property is sold. And, uh, you know, I I tell you it's not uncommon for people to double uh, their money in two, three, four years in our business. Yeah. It, it happens all the time. There's no guarantees. I have mm-hmm. to keep reminding everybody of that, but it's why I like it. And then of course, there's the whole tax benefit uh, that you get investing in real estate that you just don't get in stocks and everything else. You, you just don't get them. Those cash flow distributions generally are not taxable when you receive them. It's not until the property sold and then you get capital gains treatment instead of ordinary income. So it's just a huge win all the way around. And you know, it, it it's that way for a lot of reasons. The least of which is the government wants everybody to stay invested in residential real estate, meaning apartment buildings. So they give us benefits to do that. I I can't find an if I'm a, if I'm a retiree, this is where I put my money, yeah, because it just makes sense.
1: I agree. I totally agree with you. Um, the uh, you know back in I don't know you know from twenty maybe 2015 16 whatever um mm-hmm. the deals that we were doing in terms of value add you know we'd hold them for three years usually at max you know mm-hmm. sometimes yep. we get rid of them in two years you know um mm-hmm. or less it's just you know it's just such a hot market but um, what, what today uh, what what are you doing in terms of your your sort of your standard hold i know it, it varies from market to market, but, uh, sure. um, are, are, what, how are you approaching that and, on the hold of that property?
2: Sure. So we're, we're still looking at a three to five year hold. So when we buy, and this, this is where experience matters. So when, and, and we do our homework, when we buy a property, uh, we're going to project what we think the rents can be, uh, and we build it into our projections. But what we do is we do a very detailed rent study to make sure that on the day we close, we will get the rents that we're projecting on the day we close. That is always what we try to underwrite to, so that then anything I get over and above that is going to be an over-deliver for the investor. So. If you if you look at the market where it is today, and look, look at one level above where you're at, you can see where you're going to take your property. And you're going to see, you know, you're going to act like you're a renter. And you're going to compare the properties in your market and you're going to look up, you know, to the nicer ones, right? I can't think of another way to describe it. But you look at the nicer ones and you ask yourself, would a prospective renter uh, choose your property over that much nicer one for whatever difference in rent that it is. And you manage that difference and make sure that it's enough that people will you know, still want to live in your property. So you fit into the market, right? You, you want to understand how you fit in today, not in three years, not in five years. Where do you fit today? And that's where you should project your rents to be. And that's what we do. So um, then it usually takes us two to three years to turn because we don't go in and throw people out we, we just don't do that. That would be inhumane. So, as you know, we, we have reasonable rent increases with renewals, and people in Florida, especially, I mean, 40, 40 to 45% of your property moves every year. How much faster do you have to move things? Right, right? I mean, <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> you, you really need to turn more units. So, you know, we're able to get to our business plan in a year or two. And and uh, usually, we're, you know, in year three, there's, it just seems obvious that you should sell. But, you know, maybe it's year four. It just depends, right? So it's three to five years. But that's how we do our underwriting, and that's what makes our deals successful, is that we underwrite them that way. We're not relying on future rent increases. So after our value-add rent increase, our future rent increases are 2%, which, I mean, think about $1,400 rent, 2% is nothing. It's $28. I mean, nobody, nobody, <laughs> the last time you only hit a $28 rent ring increase, I mean, that's just you know, really, really low.
1: Right, right. But you know, when you put it in perspective of an entire building that the, whose value is tied to that, <laughs> you know, it 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 it's pretty significant too. At the same time, in terms of returns,
2: it is. So we like three, to three three to four hundred dollars in in cash flow. So if you think if you were able to risk take a hundred unit property and you're able to raise rents three hundred dollars, right? Just because you raise rents three hundred dollars doesn't mean you have all new expenses. So that three hundred dollars generally falls right to the bottom line. So if you got three hundred times one hundred, that's thirty thousand a month. You multiply that times twelve, that's another three hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. Exactly. Well, that that equates to new value, right? Because remember, I said people generally pay more for more cash flow. Mm-hmm. So if you divide that by a cap rate of say five percent, which is reasonable, I mean that property just went up by seven million dollars in value. Right, so maybe it's six million, right? Because there's transaction costs and what have you. But I mean, that's a crazy amount of money. Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah,
2: and and that's why our business works so well. Yeah,
1: that's that's uh, that's what you, why you got to love it. It's a multi-family is is a great place to be. Um, do you what's what sort of your average um, you know preferred return um, on just the cash flow side?
2: Yeah, sure. The The fund that we're raising right now is a 6% preferred return. So what happens in our fund is you get your 6% preferred return. We pay it quarterly. Then you get all your money back, all your capital back, and then it's an 80-20 split after that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. So our, the, the bonus is backloaded, which is what it should be.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, that's that, in my opinion. And, and that's what's always the... The nice part about a value add deal is that uh, you do have that that bonus at the end, and don't don't always know what it's going to be, and uh, you know if it's done right, most people are 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 very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so, uh, well,
2: that yeah, you're not really getting into these deals. I mean, yes, you're getting into the deal for the cash flow, but if all you get out of that deal is a six percent cash flow, that's not that's not good at all. <laughs> that's a fail in our in our world that's a fail
1: right but you add in that uh that bonus at the end and, and that's what really makes the
2: difference it does yeah. absolutely
1: well, you know you mentioned early on that uh you really don't even have to be doing this anymore and uh but you're still doing it but uh what excites you about the future and uh of your company uh what where do you see it going in the next you know ten twenty years down the road?
2: Sure, yeah, so in terms of why am I still here and why am I still doing it, there's two reasons really. One, um, it really makes me happy when I'm able to sell a property and write our investors big checks because then I get to hear the stories as to what they're able to do. Um, it's It's really incredible knowing that you know what we did for a particular investor, uh, we have a retired NFL referee who refereed in the Super Bowl. he was able to buy his second home. In Florida, because of his investment dollars with us, right? That stuff makes me feel good. That's it nice. just does. It really makes me feel good to be able to do that. Number two, you know I'm now uh, I've been doing this for a while, right? So now it's time for me to give back and teach the next group of people how to do it so that they can hopefully avoid some of the mistakes I made early on. So those are the two reasons that I really stay as active as I do because you know, I really you know now that I've grown older, you know, it's not it's not uh, about me anymore. It's kind of you know, it's about what you can what you can uh, uh, do for the world. So that that's why I'm still at it. And in terms of where we're going as a company, you, you know, we're we're going to continue to grow. And uh, w- while we're growing, not only will we do great things for our investors, but now we're able to um, put packages in place for our for our member, for our team, for our for our folks, for our people that work for us, that they can also. Um, benefit and reach their uh, professional and financial goals uh, as part of our company, right? It's just not a job. You know, it's not just a job. So uh, that that's why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why uh, we're going to continue to grow it because it's, you know, we all win if we all stick together and, and do the right things. It's a good approach.
1: Good approach. Well, we have uh, kind of zipped by our time here and uh, we have a a segment we call Wrap It Up, where I ask you a series of quick questions and resources that okay. you've used that you can share with our, our listeners, and hopefully uh, sure. there'll be some good things that uh, they'll learn in the process. So if you're ready, we can wrap it up.
2: Let's do it, sir.
1: All right. Favorite real estate book?
2: Favorite real estate book. Um, that's a good one. Um, wow, there's so many out there. I haven't. It's been a while since I've read many. Um, maybe one I wrote. <laughs> one multifamilies are a, a total game changer. I only wrote it because for two reasons. One, uh, people are trying to figure out how real estate should fit in their lives, and I help them think through that because I get that question literally daily. Uh, and then secondly, Uh, Most people should do this passively, right? Which is probably a lot of your audience, right? They're probably not about to go start uh, buying apartment buildings on their own Um, How do you figure out who you're gonna invest with who you should invest with? How does this business really work? So the second half of the book goes into how this business works What makes us tick? How do you pick the right sponsor? What kind of questions should you ask that kind of thing? So I know I I, I didn't expect to to cite my own book as uh, um, as the real estate book, but I think it's really relevant, especially for your, uh, for your listeners being over 50. Cause that's, you know, we have a lot of folks in, in that range that are invested in our funds. Sure. I wanted to make good decisions about where they invest.
1: No problem. Hey, uh, how about a fav- just favorite general business book,
2: general business book? I like, uh, you uh, a number of them. Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. Um, I like that a lot. I like, in terms of work ethic, I like Grant Cardone's 10X Rule uh, because I just think you just got to give it everything you got in order to be successful.
1: How about a website that you use um, uh, for your own success on a regular basis that uh, helps you in your real estate business?
2: Now, How about life overall? How about if we talk about YouTube? It's true. <laughs> YouTube, you to You can all I think you can almost become a brain surgeon um, <laughs> by watching enough videos on YouTube. Uh, I, I you, you laugh, but I tell you, there's so much you can learn on YouTube and these podcasts. Uh, there's just so much information out there now that you can get. I, I turn to YouTube all the time uh, for, you know, trying to figure out this or that, you know, w- whatever it is, uh, it's probably the most dynamic resource I use. No, it's great. It is great.
1: Uh, do you have a, like a, an app on your phone, something that you use on a regular basis?
2: You know, uh, I, I would say probably the most used is Trello Yeah. Uh, other than mm-hmm. my maps when I travel all the time.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. And uh, this one, which doesn't sound like you've had any experience with, but nonetheless, I'll throw it out at you. Is if you lost absolutely everything, all of your assets, and you had to start over knowing what you already know, and you only had $1,000 in cash, what would you do to relaunch your real estate investing business?
2: Yeah, you know, you said I didn't have any of you, but it, you probably haven't been through a divorce that is what happens to you when you get divorced mm. so i can totally relate to that and what would i do i would do exactly what i did and that is you know just go out and and uh, put deal after deal together and uh, you know we uh, you have knowledge uh, right? You, right you you didn't you have, take that away from it, exactly me. you took it's my annoying, money away
1: knowing what you already know right
2: yeah you, you didn't take my knowledge away so if i have the knowledge I'm able to figure out how to put a deal together that is initially is not going to require much cash. I will partner with people who have the cash and I do all the work. Uh, you know, I will find a way to use real estate to uh, recover because, um, it's, it's the number one best way, uh, to grow wealth in America. I think today. I agree.
1: Well, uh, Gosh, I'm sure there's a lot of folks listening that would like to find out more about you, your company, um, maybe some projects you're working on. Um, what's the best way for folks to reach you?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, that, th- I would encourage people to, to look at that book that I just talked about. You can get it by going to kripartners.com slash ebook. Download it. It's free. We trade your email for the book. Um, I did write every word in it, and uh, that way it gives you Uh, a good feel for how I think. And then, uh, you know, you can reach out to our website, our YouTube channel. It's all under KRI Partners. And you can, you know, we have YouTube videos about uh, uh, how we do what we do. We've got some case studies out there, some summaries of our fund. So uh, KRIPartners.com slash ebook. And then, you know, we're on all the social media sites and, and everything else. But I think most people use YouTube to kind of get a feel for who I am and what we do and how we do it. Cause it's visual and you can learn a lot. That's great.
1: Great. Well, um, we have a tradition here on the old dogs, REI network that, uh, our guests get to close us. Out. I know we are, we've called, you know, the old dogs, uh, network here. And so our guest closes out with their best old hound dog howl. Now, uh, <laughs> uh are you ready for this?
2: Well, you know, you know what I have to do, uh, you, you go ahead. You know what I'm gonna do.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what you're gonna do. You're not sure what I'm <laughs> gonna do. You're supposed to follow Cleveland. <laughs> okay. Think about Cleveland. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. So you
2: know where I'm going with this. The yep. dog pound. Yeah. And you know what the dog pound does, right? Hoof, 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 hoof. If you ever been to the dog pound, that's yes, what
1: they do. uh very good, very good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's uh I should have thought of that, you know. You guys gotta the hot, the hot teams out and we
2: there. are the d-a-w-g pound <laughs> i love so it we're very closely related
1: i love it <laughs> well man thanks you so much ken for for coming on uh, a lot of good information there a lot i think our, our uh, listeners can take home with them and uh, um, help them to move forward in their rei adventures here
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. I really have enjoyed this, Bill. Thank you.
1: Oh, likewise. Please note, Old Dog listeners, everything presented here today can be accessed in our detailed show notes on the Old Dogs website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And you're going to look for the episode featuring Kenneth Gee. All right. Well, that is the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king in real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless.
0: Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.